You're listening to a podcast from Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, whose mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Good morning, church. Uh, This is an uncertain time that we find ourselves in, and... In the midst of that, I just uh, I want us to be aware of the the awkwardness or weirdness that this might be um, as I sit here in the church auditorium because it is a quiet space where my children are not running around rambunctiously and um, I can do this audio. Um, I admit that it is weird to sit here to deliver and to preach a message. Uh, to an empty room, um, to people that will will hear it later, but that are not here presently. And so, um, uh, but it's going to be a little odd for all of us. And so, I pray that we would have grace for one another in the midst of that. And so, even in this uh, this time of uncertainty, um, we can know that it's not something that has not been seen before. Um, we see. In the scriptures, as we're going to be looking this morning, uh, or whenever you're listening to this at Daniel chapter 9, as we feel anxious and as we feel uncertain here, um, Daniel probably felt similarly anxious and uncertain in his his time and in his context as the the beginning of Daniel 9 starts off talking about where um, where Daniel is. Um, Daniel is still in exile and he is... um, it is the first year of Darius, the son of uh, Asuras, uh, by descent, a Mede. And so what this means is that King Nebuchadnezzar has been defeated. King Nebuchadnezzar has been overthrown by the Middle Persian Empire. And in the midst of a regime change, um, there is uncertainty and there is um, there could be danger and there can be a threat of safety. And so that's where Daniel finds himself, as he finds himself in uncertainty and, and not knowing what is next and not knowing what his, uh, what his circumstances and situation is going to be like. But what he does is he, he dives into the word of God. He dives into the scriptures and he seeks and he searches um, and he is reading the book of Jeremiah and he is seeing how things are playing out and he, is, he seeks the Lord. And as we look at this text, we're going to see what the prayer of the exiled looks like, what the prayer of the exiled looks like. Um, and what the prayer of the exiled looks like is it starts with confession. It begins with a confession of who our God is. In Daniel chapter 9, verse 4, it says, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Daniel begins by confessing who God is. God is great and awesome. He is a loving and compassionate God. He is a God who is certain and secure, who is steadfast and consistent in his love for those who love and treasure him for those who seek after him, for those who long to obey and to to hear his word. 
our God is a loving and compassionate and consistent and secure God. In the midst of uh, the confusing time that Daniel found himself in, he, he relied upon that sort of a God. Let us be a people that can rely and stand firm upon our God who is consistent and loving and compassionate, our God who is good. <clears throat> so Daniel begins his confession stating who God is and who our God is. But he doesn't, he doesn't just stop there about saying who God is. He goes on and he, he makes a corporate confession, a corporate declaration of our sin and of the sin of his people and of himself. As it says in verses 5 through 10 of Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord, our God, belong mercy and forgiveness. For we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord, our God, by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Daniel confesses his sin. Daniel confesses the sin of his people. And in his confession, he also confesses the proper standing of who God is. God is righteous. Righteousness belongs to God. Not only righteousness, but mercy and forgiveness belong to God. And to, to us, to our, the people who have walked away from him, the people in in exile in Babylon, who had walked away from him, who had not listened to the messengers that God sent through the prophets and the, the word that he had sent to them to know and to follow and to seek after the Lord was shame. They were put to open shame because they were, they were overcome by their enemies. They were defeated and they were, they were drug off into exile. They were taken to a place that was no longer their home and not their own. It was because of their treachery that they had committed. They were put to open shame. It was because they had sinned against the Lord, their God, that they were put to open shame. Now, we don't often talk about honor and shame in our Judeo-Christian culture here in the, in the West, um, but many other places in the world do. They have a, a far better and far deeper understanding of what honor and shame are. And shame as I have experienced it and shame as I have seen it is this innate feeling of dirtiness, this innate feeling of brokenness and wrongness, this, this innate feeling of not just that I have done something poorly or that I have experienced something, something bad, or that something has been done against me, but 
the feeling of deep down within side of me that I am wrong and I am broken and I am dirty and I am disdained and I am shameful. That is what, that is what Daniel is confessing here is that in comparison to a most holy and honorable and just and righteous God, his people who were called by his name to seek after him are, are shameful by comparison. That there is nothing in them that is even close to the righteousness and glory of God by comparison. In the prayer of the exiled, in the prayer of Daniel, he confesses that who God is and also the sin of his people. And he doesn't stop there. He goes on and talks about the consequence that the people experience, the consequence of their sin because of who God is. Verses 11 through 14. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice, And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against you. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing up upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven, there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us Yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. Daniel is is receiving and and admitting the consequence that the people have received. And that it is not an unfair consequence. It is not something that they did not deserve, but it is something that a just and righteous God had to do to his people because of who he is. In the old, um, in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, it it is clearly written out in the laws of Moses what would happen to God's people if they refused to walk in accordance with his commands if they refuse to listen to his word and to obey him and follow after him faithfully, that they would be removed from the land, that the protection that God would provide for them as his beloved people would, would fade away from them, that the blessing of abundance and the blessing of his provision and, and care would, would recede for a time. And that is what happened. The people of God rebelled against him. The people of God sought after other things. The people of God did not listen to the word of God. They did not listen to the messengers, the prophets of God. And they knew what the consequence would be, but they still chose to rebel against him, to walk and to do other things. And this is, this is hard to swallow, um, but it is a display of God's justice and God's trustworthiness. Because if God is not trustworthy to bring about the consequences for his people that he dearly loves and cares for, if he is not trustworthy to do that, then how is he trustworthy to do these other amazing 
blessings and promises that he said he will do. God is perfect. And if God is not just, then how can he be gracious? If God is not righteous, then how can he be merciful? So it's difficult. It's hard to see. But the consequence that God's people experience here is a display of the trustworthiness and justice of God. That God is who he says he is and that God is, will do what he says he would do. Daniel confesses who God is. He confesses the sins of his people and of himself and he confesses the just consequence that they are experiencing and receiving because of what they have done. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on in his confession. He, he sandwiches the confession of sin and consequence around who our God is. He started in verse four saying who our God is, but then he also sandwiches this confession within um, who God is as well in verse 15. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself. As at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. Daniel is is saying, you are the Lord our God. You are the God who rescues and redeems and secures your people. You brought your people out of the land of Egypt by your mighty provision and your hand. You made a great name for yourself as the God who would provide and would keep his people and who would surely provide for his people. In in Egypt, in captivity, um, God's people had some terrible circumstances. They were oppressed, they were beaten, they they were mocked, they were enslaved, they were made to do the things that they did not want to do. And Egypt, in the time of Exodus, and Pharaoh was this display of, of evil. As Pharaoh was this, this symbol of the ultimate evil and the ultimate evil one as he oppressed and, and sought to kill and wipe out the people of God. What God did is God came in and he was a providing and a loving and a caring and compassionate and a covering God who who watched over and protected his people, who heard their cries, and he brought them out and he provided for them. He did amazing things by bringing them and and guiding them through the wilderness, by guiding them and and bringing them across impossible circumstances, taking them across the Red Sea to the other side and overwhelming their enemy in the process of that. God is a mighty God. God is a God who will bring his people out of oppression. God is a God who will provide for the exiled. Church, let us be a people of confession like this. As we pray, let us be a people who confess in our prayers. We confess and we stand upon the goodness and the the identity of who God is, the true and unshakable reality of who God is. But we also confess our sin. Let us confess our sin and let us confess and realize the consequence of our sin. But even in the midst of that, let us realize that we have a good and trustworthy God. But Daniel doesn't stop there. 
Daniel doesn't stop at confession and, and crying out to God and, and saying who God is and what his people have done and how they have rebelled and walked away from him. He calls upon the Lord his God. He calls upon the Lord his God and on the mercies of the Lord, as it says in verses 17 through 19. Now therefore, O Lord our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake, oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Daniel calls out to God for mercy. He pleads with him for the, for on account of the Lord's sake and the name of the Lord that he would provide for his people, that he would restore his people, that he would restore them not only to the blessing of the Lord, but also that he would restore them to the Lord's land, to the place that he had promised for them, that he would bring them back and that he would establish them once again as his people and his people that would glorify and seek after him, that would have a place to be able to seek after him, that the temple would be rebuilt as a place where they could honor and they could sacrifice and they could worship their God. They called on the mercies of the Lord. And they didn't call on the mercies of the Lord because of any goodness and any rightness or anything in them as we just looked at as, as Daniel confessed. He confessed that they were a sinful people who rebelled against their God, who walked away from him, who, who covered their ears and, and shouted la 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 so that they didn't have to hear the words of the prophets and the words of the people that God sent to instruct them. And because of that, they were experiencing his consequence. So, the, so Daniel is not calling upon the Lord for mercy because of anything within him, because of any shred of goodness, because of any semblance of, of, of his righteousness. But Daniel is calling upon the mercies of the Lord because of the righteousness of God, because God is a great God who can provide great mercy. Now, mercy isn't a word that we often use um, outside of a church context and outside of maybe the, the poor and benevolence. But one of the best ways that I have heard mercy described is that mercy is not getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. So Daniel is calling on the Lord, Lord, do not give your people what they deserve. Your people deserve this consequence of being separated from you. Your people deserve to be enslaved in exile because of the way that they have rebelled against you. Oh, Lord, be merciful. Lord, restore. Do not give your people what they deserve, but display mercy. Lord, hear the cries of your people. Lord, forgive the iniquity of your people. Lord, pay attention to the circumstances and consequences that they are in. And Lord, act. Delay not for your own sake, Lord my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. 
He called on the Lord for mercy. Church, let us be a people who call on the Lord for mercy. And in particular, in this time of of unrest and uncertainty, this time of a global pandemic where there is the the call for for social distancing and for for being separated from one another in order to contain the spread of this virus that is, that is, is, is spreading like wildfire. Let us, church, be a people who call upon the mercies of the Lord. Let us seek the mercies of the Lord for our city. Let us seek the mercies of the Lord for our state and for our country and for this world. Let us call upon the mercies of the Lord, that he would provide a way, that he would would stay the hand of this virus, that he would provide and that he would fill us with hope, that he would fill us with his provision, that we would rest in knowing that he is God and he is good. Let us call upon the mercies of the Lord. And after Daniel's confession and after Daniel's calling on the Lord, it doesn't end there, but there is a calming that is come as the Lord hears and the Lord provides. As the Lord hears and the Lord provides, there is a calming that comes. As Daniel has called out to the Lord, what happens as he is still in the midst of prayer, as he is still in the midst of seeking the Lord, a messenger from God comes. The angel Gabriel arrives as he is speaking and he he comes swiftly and he comes to talk to him and says in verses 21 through 23, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. the the Lord hears our prayers. The Lord is eager to answer. The Lord is, is eager to swiftly come in and to answer our prayers, to calm our anxieties and to steady our souls. Let us rest in that. In the midst of our pleas for mercy, in the midst of our crying out to God in this uncertain time, Let us rest in the fact, let us rest in the truth that God hears our pleas and our cries. And not only that God hears our pleas for mercy, but that because we are his people, as Daniel was his person, as Daniel was his prophet, we also are God's people because we are Christians, that we are greatly loved by God. Lord, I pray that we would know that we are greatly loved by God. That regardless of what is happening around us, regardless of the circumstances that we might find ourselves in, whether we are anxious and overwhelmed or we feel secure and, and just are humming along, we would know that we are greatly loved by you. May that be a calming to our souls. 
that the Lord hears our prayers, that the Lord is swift to answer and that the Lord is swift to come to our aid. But not only does the Lord hear, but the Lord also provides, as it says in verse 24. Seventy weeks are declared about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression and put to an end to sin and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and prophet and to anoint a most holy place. Now, there is all sorts of things that can be talked about here in terms of 70 weeks and, and, <laughs> and numbers and, and divisions of time and, uh, and dispensations. But what I want to focus on here is that regardless of where you land in terms of, of the time frames that are, that are outlined here, that what is important is that God has appointed an amount of time that will take place and that his people should not lose heart. God has appointed a time for this virus and how long it will last. And we as his people should not lose heart. Just as God had appointed a time that his people would be in exile and he called them not to lose heart, but to continue to seek after him, let us continue to seek after God. We seek after God because he provides as he says here that he is gonna provide the, the finishing of transgression, that he will put an end to sin, that he will atone for iniquity, and that he will bring an everlasting righteousness. Oh, what encouragement that must have brought to Daniel to hear that, that the Lord would, would finish this transgression, that he would bring an end to their suffering. And not only the immediate comfort that, that may have, they may have brought, but also the, the pointing forward, the trajectory to the future of what was to come. This is a pointing to the, to the birth of Jesus and to the cross. The finishing of transgression and the end to sin. Those are things that, that can only happen through the one perfect man, the one true son of God, the Lord. And it was this Lord that would atone for iniquity and bring an everlasting righteousness by bearing the consequence of the sin of the world as he hung on a cross. As he hung on a cross and bore the punishment that was due the people so that there could be an everlasting righteousness and new life in God. What an amazing thing that is. What an amazing thing that that pointed towards a future hope for Daniel and for the people of God. What an amazing thing that is that, that us here on this side of the cross can rest in that hope and rest in that truth that God has provided a way for his people. That God has done an amazing work and that God is not yet done. That God is still here in the midst of his people that God still provides, that God still calls us to seek after him through the confession of our sin, through the confession of who he is and the calling on the Lord for mercy. May we see, may we receive a calming knowing that he hears and he provides. In the midst of that, I'm, I think of the, the promise of Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27, where 
where Ezekiel has this message from the Lord saying, that I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. How amazing that is this promise that God would do a mighty work in his people to bring them back to him. That by the work that he would do, not by any work that they would do, that he would provide a way. And we believe that he did that through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus that flowed out on the cross, through the death that he died on our behalf, the burial that he was buried for three days in the grave, but then that he rose up victorious, that he took our shame, he bore our iniquity, He was covered with the guilt of man so that we may receive a new heart, that we may be filled with the spirit of God and that we may walk in his ways. Lord, may we do that. May we realize that as Christians that we are people that have been given new hearts. Let us to feel that. Let us to know that. Let us to be a people who pray like Daniel, who pray like the man who pray in exile. As we are here in this place that is not our home, as we are in the midst of uncertain circumstances and uncertain times, let us be a people that call upon you in confession and that are calmed by the steadfast presence of your spirit. God, I thank you. I thank you for the grace that you show. Lord, I I call for your mercies in this time. The mercies of your grace and the mercies of your provision. That you would calm our hearts and steady our souls. That you would remove our anxieties and that we would know that we are dearly loved by you. And pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please visit us at www.redseachurch.org or contact us at info at redseachurch.org.